The Final Hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson. Hello and welcome to another Love Rugby League podcast. I'm Dave Parkinson. Yes, we're still socially distanced. I've been saying this for months now, aren't I, to be honest. Uh, over on the other end of the line is my oppo, Adrian Jackson. How are you doing, Aid? Rewind. Rewind a minute. I'm all right, by the way. Um, social distancing, you know. Bit boring. I'm stuck to this settee. Oh, don't. I've got my favourite fav- armchair watching all the rugby on the telly. I'm just, I, just, I just feel like I'm stuck to it. But anyway, going back to another, like the Rewind Starter, another Love Rugby League uh, podcast, The Final Hooter. Yeah, it's been a while since, hasn't right. it, mate? It's been a while because we've been a bit sporadic, a bit like the fixtures, aren't we? Because we don't know whether we're coming or going. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, we, we normally we, we could be recording this on a Sunday or a Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, we're doing it on a Thursday this week. It's a bit like the fixtures; they're all over the place. I was going to say, do you know what day it is? Because I don't, and yet you do know what day it is. I don't think the rugby plays do. I think they just turn up for venues. Think is it, is it Sunday or is it Friday? We haven't got a close like Christmas. Hey, one thing I do know is that there's been tons of tests going on, and uh, you know Wakefield in particular, they seem to be really struggling, don't they, with all these COVID testing? Yeah, not doing not doing too good, are they? Um, it's proper taking a hold of um, people having to stand down, and um, people testing positive. So, coaches at the minute are scratching their heads as to wondering. Well, how can we come up with a, with a game plan when we don't know if players are going to be stood down at the last minute, like we've seen with Wakefield, we've seen it with Hull, Warrington? i tell you who else I've seen. You know, Castleford, there was a, an interview a few weeks ago with Daryl Powell where he said actually at one point they were preparing, because it was just ahead of the cup game as well, yeah. they were preparing for three different outcomes and three exactly. different three different lots of opposition. How can you do that? I mean, that's that's... You'd have that, to be you know, perfect, wouldn't you? Yeah, and Castle have been really good over the last couple of years, haven't they? And I think this break has come at the wrong time for them because since they come back, and with that in mind, that might explain why they they can't buy a win, can they? No, no, they've been very up and down. Well, it's been mainly down, hasn't it? To be honest, because as down, you say, they've not they've not claimed down. any wins. No, they're really struggling, aren't they? And maybe that might have, might be the reason for it. I'm not making excuses for the Tigers, but might explain why they're struggling. Now, I was just thinking, since last time we did one of these podcasts... When, I mean, when did we do one? can't oh, remember. It's probably about three or four weeks ago now, Thanks isn't it? We're almost, we're almost sporadic as the players that are coming in and standing down for one reason or another. Exactly. I mean, neither of us have been stood down for COVID reasons, but I've had my not reasons. Yet. I've had my reasons for not, you know, doing the podcast. And I know we've both been mm. busy elsewhere with stuff, haven't yeah. we, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's still good to be back. But there's been quite a lot that's gone on. I mean, I noticed that, you know, we've had a, a coach change at Huddersfield, for example, haven't we? Kind of predicted that one, didn't he? When he was asked earlier in the season, do you think you're going to be getting a new contract? And he said, if I was a betting man, I'd say no. And you're thinking, what on earth's going on at Huddersfield? Because he's done a decent job of signing Woodford, hasn't he? So you would, yes. have that, you'd have thought the Giants would have wanted to have um, ex- given an extended contract to let him finish off what he started, but... They've obviously decided the power above to to maybe think it's time to have a new man at the helm. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot to come out about that story. But what's surprising though, they've let him go with immediate effect, so they're stuck with Luke Robinson and uh, Andy Kelly taking over control. Nothing against them two guys, but I I, I would have thought they might have said to Simon Woodford, well, you know, you're going home, but at least stay to the end of the season. I think what really stood out was that after the last game that he was in charge, um, I heard yeah. some of his comments and he wasn't very, um, 
uh, let's just say he wasn't very fair on some of his players. He was having a go at them, you know, which oh, they, right. they probably didn't deserve some of the things that he was saying. Um, and, and I thought at that particular time, I thought, you know what? He's already switched off this guy. He's already on his way and he's he's making waves now. Where really you can't afford to do that because at the time, even though they'd lost a few games, with, with us now being in percentage terms, a couple of wins could make all that difference, couldn't they? You know, and I was thinking, don't, he's panicking don't a bit. Don't even get me going on percentage wins. What's all that about? Come uh, on. Well, I think I think we've transported ourselves back to the 1920s and 1930s because that's the last time we had them. Certainly for league, yeah. I know we had them in the yeah. we had them in the Second World War as well, but they don't actually count on official records. Yeah, I don't you remember? Think. You remember when we sat, you saw that feature uh, a few seasons ago on this very podcast where we used to have um, a retro year to look at, and we yeah. we'd look at the league division in the nineteen fifties or whenever it was, and we'd be scratching our heads about how the heck have they worked it out there. Teams have played less games and it's all on win percentages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I imagine with all this stuff happening, where clubs are saying we're going to be struggling to fulfil the fixtures that are being cancelled due to players being stood down and uh, coronavirus issues, and um, have the RFL just dusted down an old rugby league rules book from 1950 something and thought, right, this is the way forward. I think they've got an earlier one, to be honest. I think yeah, it's about. I think it, I think it's nineteen thirty vintage. I think that's the one they've picked up, to be honest, mate. Because, um, like I said, when we were looking at when we used to have retro rugby league, yeah, we, we'd be seeing stuff there. You think, well, oh, they've busted that one down for two thousand and fifteen, and you're thinking that's where they're getting it. They say it's a brand new idea, but they're getting it from back in the day. <laughs> now, <laughs> I know you mentioned rugby league retro, so I actually looked at the league table back in nineteen thirty. Oh, this, okay. And and just to, just for for any uh, fellow rugby league nerds out there like myself, like um, myself, yeah. Did you did you know that in that particular season, that was the first season that St. Helens finished above St. Helens Rex? No way. Amazing. Back in nineteen thirty. Wow. Uh I think Lee was somewhere like Rex. I think Lee was somewhere like twenty fifth in out of thirty four clubs or something like that, you know. <laughs> so it wasn't okay. very good for of Lee. Of course it was one division, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I right, where, where was my team with Uh you know, I couldn't actually tell you because I was that I was that amazed by the actual fact about, you know, St. Helens only finishing above St. Helens Rex for the first time. I kind of switched off to everybody else. Oh. Man, I reckon like so your Broughton Parks would have been still knocking around them, weren't they? Uh, Broughton Rangers, I think they were. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think they were. Broughton Rangers, not Parks. Yeah, they were. They were certainly. Not, you're thinking Rugby Union though with your Broughton yeah. Parks, aren't you? But um, yeah, Broughton Rangers were certainly knocking about at that particular juncture. Uh, and, and of course, that was the season that was just after um, they decided to take the Challenge Cup final to Wembley. That'd be the season as well. Oh, yeah, back in them, that era, the, the referees turned out in a suit. Uh, yeah. Have you seen your black and white stuff on the TV? Oh, I have. Them. Yeah, there was some really Quality. smart, smartly turned out refs, weren't there? Oh, yes. Bring them back. That's what I say. I, I, can, I can imagine uh, Robert Hicks in a suit like that, running around <laughs> heavenly. With a blazer and a monocle. <laughs> yes. Bring it back, man. would be awesome. How do you it'll think... Give, it'll, make, it'll make the referees look like school teachers again. How do you think James Child would look in that sort of get-up? <laughs> He looked like a school kid, not a school teacher. <laughs> he, he does look a lot younger than his years, doesn't he, James? You know, he I, I don't he know, does. I don't, I don't know what you know foundation he uses and that type of stuff. But you know, it's certainly, uh, I, I wish he'd share his tips with us. Put it that way. <laughs> um, uh, speaking about uh, stuff like that, uh, images. I'm not a fan of everyone wearing a 
it at the minute. They behave back in fashion, isn't it, in rugby league? I've noticed. Uh, well, you've not seen me for weeks. I'm sporting a bit oh. of a beard at the moment. Have you mate. got a bit of a beard? Have you, have you got a COVID beard? Yeah, I have. Beard, have I have. I've got a COVID beard. You know, it's, it's itchy as anything, I have to I admit. Mean, it's got I, to that I, stage. I saw Tony Smith on the, on the TV during the Hawkinson Rovers game. I thought, Tony, t- shave it off. I was trying to think who Tony Smith was reminding me of. And uh, then... and what's Lee, what's Lee Brace trying to do? Oh, Lee, Lee Brace, that's an amazing beard. He's looking more like Brian Blessed every week, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, the best beard for me was always uh, No Clearly, the cracking beard. Eric oh. Grove, he did as well. Yeah. But, uh, but even our mate at St. Helens as well, Carl Amor, he had the cracker. He did, he did. That seems to have gone now, but... Uh, That's gone. I, I Paul, tell you what, Woody, Paul Woody's had the best beard in rugby league as well, but all of a sudden, it, everyone didn't shave them all off, they went all clean cut, back in fashion again. Talk t- about retro rugby league, we've had, I was mentioning retro referees' outfits, re- retro rugby league years, and we're talking now about players bringing back the beard. i tell you what's also come back into vogue a bit. Have you seen those uh, th- those sort of um, bleached hairdos? There's uh, several players with bleached blonde hair. Jamie Scholl's one Listen, over at Hull. As, as long as you don't do a Ryan Hall red one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with that one. He did that for comic relief. What are you on about? Remember when the whole league team did it? I do. I do remember that actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as they don't go for them, their next streams, I can live with that one. <laughs> um, so I tell, you, I tell you what is retro in rugby league at the minute: fans at the grounds. When's that going to happen? It was mooted to be a couple of pilot uh, pilots, wasn't it, for, for for a couple of games to so have a thousand in the grounds, but. Um, with the increase in um, COVID, um, it, it's gone by the bye-bye again. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like round your way, to be honest, but um, I know certainly... Oh, we're on lockdown again. Yeah, well, Wigan's been put on lockdown, lockdown again, to be honest, you know, and then mm. we've had all these other announcements from the uh, from the government that we just seem to be at beck and call at the moment, don't we? I mean, they're even yeah. talking it could be six months before fans are let in. Um and I don't know about you, but I'm thinking six months is way, way too long. Um, there's going to be some... about money coming in, because um, I've seen a, an interview with Carl Fitzpatrick uh, at Warrington, and he was suggesting in an interview he did, and the game as a whole is losing something like £2 million a week. I mean, that's an awful lot of money, isn't it, to be losing? It is. And I know as a sport, we've got £16 million at the start of this pandemic, but that's not going to go far when you're losing £2 million. No, I, I, I'm with you on that, to be honest. And I don't know, I just think the longer that we go on without fans going through the gate, the more perilous some of our clubs are going to be finding it, aren't they? I don't know what's more perilous, the game as a whole, or, or Toronto Wolfpack. I don't know which one's worse. Well, that's another thing, isn't it? You know, this whole situation with Toronto. Um, at the time we're recording this, they're coming in front of the uh, the Super League bods, aren't they, tomorrow? Have they got a new buyer in place, have they now? I can't keep up with the story. I think they have, actually. Yeah, yeah. He's okay. a guy that owns uh, various North American businesses. Um, you know, we're right. told that he's quite successful. Um, and he's basically said that if they come back into Super League, he will pay the wages. Oh, okay, because play seems to be bailing out left, right, and centre. The latest one was um, Callum Watkins. He's now at Salford. I'm playing well for him too. Um, he you know, he made his debut, didn't he, in the Challenge Cup? And I thought yeah. that he was really good in that game. Still, still a quality out for me is Callum Watkins. 
Oh, very much so. Very much so. I mean, he's been really unlucky with injury and other things that have gone on over the last sort of few years, hasn't he? But um, he's a real asset. And I think if... From from what we know about Ian Watson and the way that he coaches, he tends to get the best out of people, doesn't he? Well, he proved that when they when they defeated Catalans in the Chance Cup. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 was an awesome game. I really enjoyed that. That's perhaps been the best of all the games since we came back from lockdown. And I know before that game, the NFL said, right, if you celebrate a try, you're all going to get fined two hundred and fifty quid. But I think the Sovereign players thought, you know what, we're going to cop the fine. I think that's what he said in his post-match comments as well, Sargentson, because yeah. he got voted man of the match, didn't he? And he said, yeah. I'll probably have to cop the fine for that one. But um, it, it was just one of those moments, wasn't it? A great bit of play from Kevin Brown. Obviously, you've seen a lot of him down the last few years. And um, yeah. he's just a guy that's got so much rugby league knowledge and rugby league know-how that, you know, he can just come up with stuff like that, can't he? He kind of a great last player, wasn't it? Because these days, everyone expects, expects from the last player to put the kick in and then, and the defenders stood off expecting the kicking. Thought, you know what? We're going to go behind side and run the ball, and it worked for them. And like I said, despite the war, then if you celebrate a try, and you're going to get, you're going to cop a fine. I think the way in the manner they won the game, you thought, you know what? Who cares about the fine? <laughs> Whereas when Warrington were playing, they didn't know whether it's a fist bump, handshake, or hug each other. They're in, <laughs> they're in three minds, weren't they? When they were scoring, they were very confused, weren't they? You got sort of um, you got Anthony Gellin who did some. Uh, it was a great celebration, a great try yeah. celebration, and then you'd got uh, young Matty Ashton when he dashed over just before half time, not knowing quite where to put himself or what to he do. Didn't know what to do, did he? No, no. no so we've but got like I said, the soccer players at the end just thought, you know what. <laughs> We're have having the, it. Have the money. Have the money. We don't care. <laughs> um, I've got, I've got to say, you know, with the Challenge Cup ties, I mean, they they have been like some real light relief in comparison to some of the league stuff that we've been seeing. Because I have to admit, and this will sound controversial, Adrian, I've not really been enjoying Super League. I have to admit that. You're missing the championship. That's what it is with you. It probably is, to be fair, you know, and and, and all the rest of the games you, you, and rugby you league. Buy, you you need a bite of championship action, don't you? That's what it is. <laughs> maybe that's what it is, or maybe I'm getting spoiled by watching too much Australian stuff. Maybe you are. Stop comparing us to the Aussies, will you? That's our problem. Oh, we're, I... always, we're, we're always comparing our own product to what they're doing, and I think we should forget that. But what do you mean? Do you think that was substandard in Super League? Have we seen a substandard product since we got back? It's difficult to say, isn't it? Because different players, fitness levels, and timings all over the place. So we're not seeing a, a truly a true reflection of what's going on. I think I think the real changes are benefiting more teams than others. Mm, mm. If you know what I mean, uh, teams were like like to Warrington, and they were really struggling, weren't they, before the play, before the break to get any consistency? They were. They were very patchy, Since, weren't they? Since this, these new rule changes are coming, Daryl Clark's been a revelation. He's rolling back the form to what he showed when he won the Lance Tov and he was still playing for Castleford. Awesome player, Daryl. He is playing particularly well at the minute. I agree with you there. Yeah, and uh... so, so certain clubs have benefited from the rule changes, whereas a few more clubs have really struggled, haven't they, to be honest? Well, I think Hull's one of them. I mean, they got tated by Wigan, didn't they, in, uh, yeah, in one they of the quarterfinals? They were lucky to get four points for me in that game. Yeah. Yeah, it's not been a great um, return back to action for, for the early birds, has it? Nor has it been for Hawkinson Rovers, to be honest. I mean, they had that great result the other week against Wigan, but again, they've kind of flattered to deceive at where certain did, points. Where did that they? one come from, though? They go and put 38 points past Wigan and then can't back it up. Who knows? 
who knows? You know, they were up against St. Albans and put another great effort in and, and yet yeah. rolled over and had the belly tickled against Leeds, didn't they? I mean, I mean, St. Albans there, uh, all right, they're up there challenging and they're still a quality outfit, but is it just me or do you think they seem to be struggling? They're not in the heights they show that the start of the season. Well, I'm glad that you asked me this question, to be honest, Adrian, because I've been keeping particularly close eye at St. Helens. And mm. um, a lot of their fans are criticising Theo Farge at seven. They don't think he's oh, okay. doing the job. Um, right. But I, I t- I'm going to come up with another controversial point here, and I just want, wonder what your thoughts are. I'm going to hold this also at the door. Of the number six, Johnny Lomax. You're talking about a guy who's 30 years old now. He's been in the St. Ellen system for the last 15 years. Yeah. He's been, you know, he's been a first team regular. He's been the regular standoff for what the last four or five years now. Um, at one point, best player in England, first name on the international jersey. I don't think yeah. he's doing it this season. I don't think he's giving the right sort of support to his half-back partner. So whilst there's a lot of criticism being passed away of Farge, you're not seeing an awful lot of kicking and passing from Johnny Lomax either. Do you think I'm being harsh there, or do you think they're getting full value out of the number six at the moment? I think there's more pressure on Johnny Lomax to perform because he's the more experienced of the half-backs. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think, for me, that partnership works. The, the, the two basically similar style play. You've got similar styles of play for me, so they're pretty similar. So you, you always want someone who's going to do the hard graft and be the defender, and you want the flamboyant playmaker. And, and unfortunately, these two are, are pretty similar. Aren't they? they both want to be the playmaker. I mean, that's that's where, you know, if you go down over the last 15, 20 years, you know, it was whoever played alongside Sean Long, for example. Long was the flamboyant yeah. one, wasn't he? You know, and then they yeah. always had like a nuggety half-back alongside Tommy him. Martin would be the one who'd stand in the middle and just knock 10 bells every, out of everybody. <laughs> do, do defensive work. Theo Farge and Jolly Lomax are, are pretty similar. They don't want to do that kind of stuff. They just want to be the playmakers. So when you're doing that, you kind of lose your, your, your balance and direction, I think. Well, I'm glad that you're thinking along similar sort of lines to me. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that you're completely justifying everything that I've said I'm there. Not. You know, no, and it, it's nice to hear those other those other opinions because I... I know I, I know I know um, Johnny's probably been pushed up into the half-back role because of lacking cruise at fullback, but I actually prefer Johnny Lomax when he, when he played fullback. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You agree with me on that. I, I would. I, I tell hey, you, you what, didn't prompt me for that, by the way. I no. Just cannot come up with that philosophy myself. I, I, I did not prompt Adrian. It must be said here. I did not prompt him to come up with that answer. No. But I'm exactly like you were thinking. I would drop uh, Lomax back to fullback, and I'd get, I'd get um, Lachlan Coote playing a bit more halfbacky type stuff. You know, and, and, and maybe even swap the two about, you know, because I think if you get that little bit of that little bit of difference, you know, they're both different types of players. And I'm sure that that would in turn complement the work that Theo Farge does. Can Lachlan Coote play halfback? Well, he's a, let's be honest, you know, like most most fullbacks these days have a passing ability, don't they? You know, they do. Yeah, that's um, true. you know, so if, if you look back, it all started with um, it all started with Daryl Lockyer that, didn't it? It did, yeah. You know, so we've had we've had guys that have played half, but I, I'm sure. Listen, if you if you gave him a job, you know, because he does it anyway, but doesn't do enough of it, as far as I'm concerned. You mm. could move him up, and he could take a lot of that pressure and be the one that's kind of dovetailing in and linking stuff together, and you know, maybe holding the fort a little bit more. Anyway, moving away from Super League, and we, I didn't we did kind of mention the championship with you missing your championship uh, action. 
How are things looking amongst the Championship clubs and League One clubs? Bearing in mind we've had no action this season, and but it is encouraging that they are signing players. That's good to know. But how are they all? How are they all looking and feeling about things at the minute? I have to admit, I'm impressed with Witness's signing so far. On paper, they're looking like they're going to be really strong in the middle, aren't they? They're signing some really experienced front rowers. Um, and I mean, I know we've spoken about you know that being a particular weakness for Witness over the last few years, uh, the, yeah. the front row and almost being at the point where you'd hit them, really. Um, and I can't see that many people getting the better in the championship of your likes of your Jarrett and your, um, uh, your Clough. You know, he's got so many games under his belt. A tremendous player. Batley are coming under the radar again, you know. They're signing mm-hmm. players that you maybe wouldn't expect them to. They've just signed Kieran Buchanan from Hull. Uh, okay. And they've brought in Elliot Hall from Workington, who's a guy that kind of made his name with Coventry and, and London Scholars. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes next season. Here's the thing, here's the thing, just jumping in. Uh, about, you, just, you just reminded me then when you mentioned Coventry Bears. Yeah. Uh, when did they make the coaching change? I was unaware of that one. Oh, yeah, well, to be honest, I mean, Tom Sang left them uh, a little time ago, actually, you know, to join oh, okay. to join London Broncos sort of oh, at the start, of the, at oh, the start right, of 2020. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, but the, the, it just shows you how much I don't know about rugby league. Then, well, to be fair, I mean, they 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 have made that. I mean, initially it was going to be Alan Robinson, I think, who was in charge of everything. You know, the guy who actually okay. set the club up. Um, right. But he's he's brought some uh, some support on board. Um, right. And I tell you what, though, they've been busy. They've signed ten players in the last few days. It's a signing that no one expected. Go on. The return of Ben Harrison. Well, yeah, I mean, he's been missing for a couple of years, hasn't he, since his yeah. days at Warrington. I was wondering exactly. what had happened to him. I thought he'd just gone yeah. back up to Barrow and had, you know, set up open in business. Open the bar, open uh, the chippy or something. Yeah, and, and yeah, maybe he's thinking he's got some unfinished business because he's, didn't his brother Liam play for Barrow for a good number he of did. years? He did, yeah. So there's some family ties there and maybe he feels like he owes it to the town to, to, to pull on that famous blue and white jumper. Um, I mean, so, he actually quit Warrington when he was about 26. Seven, I think he was. So it's been four or five years. So I think is he thirty-one, thirty-two now. So maybe he feels fully refreshed and wants to have another dig before he does get too old to put the boots on. Uh, talking about players that are stepping out of retirement, what about Gavin Henson, ex-rugby union man for Wales, stepping you out? See that one as well you, with you, West you Wales. That one, sensational. That one for West Wales. That could do as much as a Sonny Bill Williams signing for League One. That could. It could, yeah. Hopefully that will be a success and we get to see the silky skills of Gavin Henson. Um, probably these two players wouldn't get mentioned in the same sentence, but uh, let's go Gavin Henson and Junior So signing again for Lee. Lee seemed to be doing a lot of retainment at the moment. Uh, so tying players down who, who were on contract last season uh, for the hopefully upcoming 2021 season. So I think that that's interesting. But if you're looking on paper, who's the strongest squad at the moment, you, you've you've got to look at York, haven't you? What signings are they making? The, the, the squad looked brilliant. They, they signed Ryan Ack. Kings the other week. I know uh, the, the, that was predicted, wasn't it? But um, the, the the challenge for York is not signing players. The challenge for them is are they going to keep all the James Ford? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we, we spoke at the top of the show, really, didn't we, about what was happening at Huddersfield? And certainly now's the time when you'd be expecting people like James Ford, who's, you know, done quite a long apprenticeship, really, haven't they? Yeah. Places like York, that will they start to get mentioned? Some of these, uh, some of these arguably bigger jobs? 
I said, there are some big jobs there up for grabs in Super League, isn't it? you got the Huddersfield job. The whole job's probably up for grabs, even though Andy Last is in there at the moment. But I'm sure he's just in a temporary role at the moment. I mean, again, I feel a little bit sorry for Andy Last because he's been there so long. He's seen he's seen everything that's gone on at that club, hasn't he, for about the last 20 yeah. years, both as a player working in the development side. Um, but, I mean, he's put his head above the parapet and, unfortunately, they just... They just are so, so inconsistent at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, we mentioned players who've stepped out of retirement in Ben Harrison uh, for the second time in the space of a couple of years. Um, Gareth Ellis has decided enough's enough. He can't take it anymore. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that that, that was surprising because he was amongst Hull's better performers as well, to be honest. Is uh, he going to see out the season or, or, is he, is he, or is he decided to have immediate effect? Uh, I'm not sure because you, you're ahead of me on that one, to be honest, mate. Um, you yeah. know, so per, perhaps perhaps we'll find out, you know, what his intentions are over the next sort of mm. couple of weeks. Um, listen, if it is time for him to hang up the boots, he can be very proud of what he's achieved in his career, can't he? I mean, he, he went over and earned his stripes in Australia as well, did that. It's a pretty long spell with Wests, um, gained an awful good reputation over there. And then his stint with Leeds was superb, wasn't it? It was. Uh, but yeah, like I said, look, it's a young man's game now, isn't it? I mean, he, he, if you get to 35 and you're still playing, you're doing well. To go past 35 and still putting in the performances that can withstand the... Um, the stand of the rubber league that's expected from you. That's sensational. Oh, it is. It is. It speaks a lot for his own fitness levels as well, that, doesn't it? it? You know, and the fact yeah. that he, he may have had 18 months previously retired, but the fact that he's been able to get back out there uh, and perform pretty well at Super League level from a personal point of view, you know, it does point to the fact that, you know, he's an extraordinary bloke, isn't he? He certainly is. It would be certainly missing that hole and it's another big hole that they're going to have to try and fill. Yeah, and when you look at that squad, it just seems to be a bit top-heavy with players that are very inconsistent, doesn't it? Yes, without a doubt. I think the most frustrating play for me at Hull has got to be uh, Connor. Oh, I'm with you there. I hear you, buddy. I definitely hear you, buddy. He's a frustrating player. I'll be be kicking the water bottles around every day with him, honestly. Jake Connor, no. well, (laughs) Well, to be fair as well, when when does a player with potential go past being just a player with potential and a player that should be fulfilling his potential? Because you look at exactly. Connor now, and what is he? He's about twenty four. You'd expect him to be hitting his straps and finding, you know, finding well, that regular he, play now, wouldn't you? You'd think where he's been involved with England, he'd be able to he'd be able to like do it week in week out. But he doesn't. Does he? Just seems to drift in and out of matches, and that would frustrate me as a coach. Very much so. Very much so, and uh, yeah, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. I mean, m- maybe the time has come for him that he needs a move. Maybe he needs a refresh, and, and you'd certainly still take a punt on him, wouldn't you? You know, if you're a Super League club, because on on his day he can come come up with some some world class stuff. But well, that's the problem on his day when he wants to. That's the that's the key, isn't it? It's on that's his day problem. rather than rather than anything yeah. else. And yeah, it's, it is so frustrating. I do get completely where you're coming. I mean, from, he though. showed it last year, wasn't it? that Lou Rafferty had had enough and he stopped picking him. Yeah, yeah, it was Gary in that way, wasn't it? Yeah. Tell you what, have we come to the point where nobody's wanting to pick us anymore? Yeah, I think so. Just for another episode anyway. Just for another episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I forgot about that. Hopefully, 
Hopefully, we'll be back again very, very soon. But you tested me on something before. You was What's asking that? where Widnes finished in this 1929 and 30 season. Oh, yes. Have yeah. you got the start? I have. I have. Widnes uh, played 32 games, won yeah. 15, drew two, yeah. lost 15, had a 50% win percentage and finished, and finished down in 15th place. Oh, that's not good. Below the likes of uh, Huddersfield, Salford, Leeds, Dewsbury, Hull, Kingston, Rovers... Uh, Wigan, Warrington, Hunslet, Oldham, Halifax, Hull, St. Helens Rex, and Swinton. Who finished top? Uh, St. Helens did. So St. Helens oh, right. played 40 games, won 27, drew one and lost 12, with a win percentage of 68.75%. Second go. place go. was Huddersfield, who played 38 games, 25 wins, two draws, 11 losses, 68.42%. Now, Little smidgen of a percentage, you're all important. Like a, you're making it sound like I'm doing double maths now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna confuse myself if I carry I've on. I've got a headache. So when people look at this table of 2020, yeah, they can look back and go, "Oh, look, they copied that from 1930 something." Yeah. So and and you can take that you can take that bit of information from us absolutely free. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Adrian, it's been great getting alongside you again from a social distance point of view and over a telephone, of course. Listen, I'm back in my armchair waiting for the rugby again. I'm sure I found like everybody else. I'm not moving to the next game. I'll go and let you find that channel and, and find some rugby league to watch. In the meantime, I'm off to uh, commiserate with Brisbane Broncos fans because they finished bottom off the NRL. The mighty Broncos are bottom? Wow. There's no redemption. The wooden spoon is there. So um, I think this year we need to get a wooden spoon and send it over to Brisbane. We kept on threatening to do that with West Wales, didn't we? We did, but I said that was too cruel. I said that was too cruel, you know, but let's do it for the Broncos. They're in Brisbane. They're going to the Australians. We'll send it them. (laughs) Get it it, it, posted, registered post. Right, I'm off. I'm off to find the registered post address for Brisbane Broncos. So uh, that's us done and dusted for another episode of the final Hooter podcast. Uh, And we'll catch you again on the flip-flop. Whatever the flip-flop is.